Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Of course, we are dead. We are all dead. We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies, and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is, it just is. Especially with the latest AB Live, audio version for thee. Consciousness perhaps remains the greatest mystery of our times. With civilization collapsing and technology stagnant, it's crucial to tap into the unlimited gifts of the psyche. The way to go is by looking at the astral shamans and visionaries who contacted intelligences beyond the horizon. Are we truly alone? Or have we evolved to a new epoch in the annals of mankind's existence? We're not alone, and they're around us right now. 
we were joined at the virtual Alexandra by the cool minds and a cool guess of a fascinating new documentary, Conscious Contact, Full Disclosure. Hold on to your panties of past orthodoxy, as next week Jason Reza Giorgiani joins us to discuss his new book, Uberman. And yes, we'll talk about extraterrestrials. In May, we'll get to more traditional Gnostic fare with episodes on Mary Magdalene, the Demiurge, the Sethians, the Trickster Archetype, and more. But hell, it's still all astronosis, as the classical Gnostics were one of many ancient mystics who knew our origin and liberation was in the stars. As above, so below, said Hermes Trismegistos, speaking through Apollonius of Tyana. Thank you to those who support this Red Pill Cafeteria every week. You are amazing, and your support, company, and feedback help grow this blasphemy. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or any of my guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatevs. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. Other than that, let us do our latest AB Live. The truth is out there, ain't it? Mulder and Scully and Alex Jones Cipher? Let us know with some of your high weirdness ideas. No sooner had we defeated Germany than a new threat started appearing in skies over America. Drawn to Earth by the latest threat to extinction, the H-bomb. Explosions acting as transducers, drawing alien life forms through wormholes in spaceships using electrogravitic propulsion. Advanced extraterrestrial species visiting us, concerned for mankind and the threat of our self-destruction, forestalling our annihilation through their own self-sacrifice. In crashes at Roswell, more importantly, places like Aztec. World leaders signed secret memos directing scientific studies of alien technology and biochemistry. Classified studies were done at military installations S-4, Groom Lake, Wright-Patterson, and Dulce. Extracting alien tissue. Tests were done on unsuspecting human subjects. And elaborately staged abductions in craft using alien technology recovered from the down saucers. Including human hybridization through gene editing and forced implantation of alien embryos. A government hiding, hoarding alien technology for 70 years at the expense of human life and the future of the planet. Driven not only by corporate greed, but a darker objective. The takeover of America. And then the world itself, by any means necessary, however violent or cruel or efficient. By severe drought brought on by weather wars conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves in a state of perpetual war to create problem, reaction, solution scenarios to distract, enrage, and enslave American citizens at home with tools like the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which abridge the Constitution in the name of national security. 
the militarization of police forces in cities across the U.S., the building of prison camps by the Federal Emergency Management Agency with no stated purpose, the corporate takeover of food and agriculture, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, even the military in clandestine agendas to fatten, dull, sicken, and control a populace already consumed by consumerism. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. A government that taps your phone, collects your data, and monitors your whereabouts with impunity. A government preparing to use that data against you when it strikes. And the final takeover begins. The takeover of America. By a well-oiled and well-armed multinational group of elites that will cull, kill, and subjugate. Happening as we sit here. It's happening all around us. The other shoe waiting to drop. It'll probably start on a Friday. Welcome, everybody, to the Desert of the Real. Welcome to AB Live. And yes, we are indeed live. Very excited on this Friday for a very special show and what will be a very stimulating conversation. As always, my name is Miguel Connor, your Pompidus of Gnosis. And as you can see, my name, this time I put all our names available i usually don't do this but that way everybody since we have so many guests so many cool guests everybody can see what we're doing i see as always you're starting to uh, pile in pile in into the youtube comment sections the facebook comment section so as you come in we will definitely try to get to your questions as always if you have any questions uh try to super chat it although i don't think i don't even know if super chats are working but regardless uh write it in all caps all question marks and so forth and um not much when it comes to uh housekeeping today i think we can immediately get into the meat of the matter if you would we will be discussing a ver a new documentary, uh, one that I watched and I really enjoyed it, uh, full of uh, great insights on where, not just what's happening out there in the world, but the necessity for human beings, specifically our consciousness, the way we do things to change or else, because these are definitely some tenuous times. The film is Conscious Contact, Full Disclosure. And we have uh, the creators and one of the guests today. I guess we should. Uh, we'll start by introducing uh, Sue Walker. Sue, thank you very much for coming on AM Bite, and please tell us your role in the film. Hi, I'm Sue Walker. I'm a clairvoyant, medical intuitive, but also a translator now for an extraterrestrial star nation known as the Ponte. Um, uh, my role in the film was as an experiencer who also vet my, my extraterrestrial friends validated the fact that one of the other experiencers, yes, indeed, had visited uh, an extraterrestrial facility beneath the mountains of the Mojave. And that led Chris Tyler to me. And he came out to speak with um, myself and my spouse and that led him to another individual that we knew by the name of Clifford Mahudi, uh, a Zuni elder who has unfortunately passed away now. Oh, oh sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, we will show some clips of the movie and I really enjoyed his wisdom so much. Um, 
It uh, one of the themes that we've been focused on Aeon Byte has been the idea that the uh, that the ancients were uh, were very uh, invested in the stars, as as he talks about uh, the Pueblo Indians, the Dogon tribe, all the ancient, the Mayans. We were recently in a conference in uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula. The Mayans said that they they came from the stars, and um, even the Gnostics, we talk a lot about Gnosticism in this show, and as I showed in many presentations, the Gnostics in ancient times, they were the heirs of the Egyptian mysteries. They rituals were about going up into the stars and going back home and making contact with this alien god. So, And I feel this sort of attitude is important for the human race to understand itself and to understand its role and even survive but i'm getting on a soapbox here tyler yeah you were the one who contacted me and i'm very grateful for us uh tell us uh, who you are and how the film came about for sure miguel well number one dude thanks for having us on this is awesome we're fired up we're stoked bro the number of comments i'm seeing dropping over here in this live chat insane bro you've got a great following and a great group of people man that are loving your content so Mad kudos to you and what you have done in building your brand and trying to get these types of things talked about and studied more and um, and uncover more, you know, mysteries of the universe. And that's what Chris and I are trying to do with Dockside Media is we are making interesting, informative, entertaining and thought provoking documentaries that we hope hope inspire people and generate momentum um to go out and do some investigating and searching for themselves and maybe asking congress you know to provide more data um i love that we have things like the galileo project you know taking place now so uh the scientific community you know it seems to be um putting some more effort and time into the study of this and so man when chris and i stumbled upon well chris honestly he was like in august of 2021 here he's like hey do you want to start making documentaries we're both independent filmmakers have taught ourselves over the past five six years um and i was like oh yeah dude that sounds like a great idea and we were going to do we decided let's do them on paranormal stuff because it's interesting to film uh it's interesting to talk about and other people are interested in it as well so we were going to do the seven gates of hell which is about a local legend uh, near me in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's actually in Hellum, Pennsylvania. And the legend is that if you go through these seven gates at night on this property, uh, after midnight, uh, after you pass the seventh gate, you're instantly transported to hell. So as I start reaching out to people and like literally I'm within the first few days of researching that, I see Anjali's story on Reddit. And she's a former Department of uh, Defense Intelligence officer. And she was saying, hey, I'm going to give a public press conference uh, in Washington, D.C., in front of the Lincoln Memorial to talk about the these extraterrestrials that I came in contact with in a mountain base in the Mojave Desert. Um, and and I'm like, yo, Chris, uh, bro, I feel like we need to pivot and go, like I need to drive my butt down there. It's two and a half hours away. I got all the cameras. Like I can film this. And that's how it started filming Anjali's public press conference. And from there, destiny or fate literally produced this documentary. I mean, we stumbled upon Sue Walker on, on, uh, on Twitter 
Um, noticed, yep, the link between the mountain, the extraterrestrial mountain bases. Uh, reached out to Sue. Her and Otter, super genuine, super nice. I think I was out there, man, within like two weeks. Like, bang, got her interview. Uh, I think a week or two later, I'm at a fantasy football draft. I get a call from Sue. Hey, Tyler, remember how I told you about Clifford Mahuti, the Zuni Pueblo elder? I spoke to him today. He said he'll, he, that he will sit down for an interview with you. You need to call him now before he changes his mind. <laughs> so I hit him up and man, it was great. One thing led to another. And, and I think the cool thing, and I'll get off my soapbox, but you know, Chris and I with Dockside Media have a really, really unique setup where myself, I'm more outgoing, right? Uh, have a hit background in marketing and, and stuff like that in sales. So I have no problem asking people questions and them saying no, like I don't mind. I understand it's a numbers game. Um, so I have no problem reaching out to these people, sitting down with them, hearing their awesome stories uh, and, and filming all that. And then Chris on the back end, he's doing the whole edit for the documentary. I uh, edited the trailers, but Chris, you know, he's taking all these stories and then he's finding these common threads and links between them all, which makes for this really beautiful process of uh, neither of us are really coming in with any preconceived notions about how we want this story to go. We are just getting these people's personal stories and getting them to, to share them in a genuine and passionate way so that they can connect with others and be, and feel comfortable sharing these things. Um, and then, yeah, Chris, man, turns it into that beautiful masterpiece that you saw. So I'll get off my box, but that's, <laughs> that's the process. No, it's it's a wonderful process. Uh, the guests all come from, like you said, different backgrounds, but I feel they're telling us the same thing. Uh, human beings, we need to change our consciousness. Uh, it's a busy universe out there. We need to tap into our origins, the stars, these other intelligences. Uh, basically, and it makes sense because, I mean, let's face it, I was thinking we are as close to a nuclear warfare as a Cuban miss missile crisis. Mm -hmm. We are at a time where countries are going to go through famine and starvation because of all that's happening. We're at a time where addiction, uh, overdoses, loneliness, anxiety at our all time high. I mean, this is, we really are at a crossroads and it's time. Uh, if people think that UFOs are illogical, well, looking at what the human race is doing to itself makes no sense log logical sense it's a fantasy you'd have it's almost in the gnostic way you'd have to be a bond villain writing what's happening to humanity so when you talk about illogical and fantasy that we live in and we are in a nightmare and we need to basically what you do you wake up so um and i love uh, all the guests uh, anjali's speech she's such a great orator when she got up there in the capitol and just just laid it down on the table. So very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, how yeah tough very is that, bro. Could you do yeah. that, Miguel? I mean, you're, hosting, Not as well, a, you're no. hosting a radio show. You have a good bit or, you know, a show and you have a good bit of experience. And over the, this time you've gotten comfortable speaking on camera, but bro, standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial talking for an hour and a half, right. At a public, like, dude, that's, that takes courage. And that was the other yes. reason where I, I'm like, dude, I got to go film this because Dude, this takes heart and this takes courage to go talk about that uh, mm -hmm. in that and to to do it in a like you said, like a, a professional and measured way. A massive props to her. Exactly. Agreed 100 uh, percent. So, Chris, uh, tell us about yourself and uh, some more about the film from your perspective. 
Yeah, sure. So um, I've been a filmmaker, like Tyler said, for like five or six years now. But most of the stuff I was doing was narrative filmmaking. I'm a big sci-fi and horror fan. Those are the things that I like writing and producing. Um, so I've made 14 short films and I'm currently working on a feature film right now, which is going to be shooting in September. But uh, yeah, the interest in documentaries, I don't know, it just kind of sparked in me because I thought it was something that we could do together on a smaller scale. Um, narrative filmmaking is a huge undertaking that requires much, much bigger cast and logistics and everything. Um, and I just I have the desire to create and um Tyler also has that that motivation. And like he said, he has the ability to go and ask and reach out to people. Uh, I myself fear rejection. Uh, somebody says no, I go and I cry in the corner for a while. Um, so I needed Tyler. Uh, you know, I think we're a good yin and yang. Not only in that aspect, but also I'm much more of a skeptical person. Tyler's uh, way more open-minded. And as I get older, I think I'm becoming more open-minded as well. Or maybe it's just Tyler's influence because he's got that energy <laughs> that everybody always comments on that is addictive. Um, so when we started doing documentary filmmaking, I immediately wanted to do something in the supernatural um, because I thought from a creative standpoint in producing stuff like that, it's way more interesting to me. Um, I'm not necessarily like a big documentary watcher, and so we didn't approach any of this stuff with like any preconceived, like templated, you know, whatever in mind. All my instincts come from narrative filmmaking. So like when I'm making a short film or a feature film or whatever, I'm like, I know this shot will work and this will work because I'm trying to reproduce whatever feeling and stuff. And so those were the, the kind of like ideas I brought to this. So what I wanted to do when we were making the film was tell everyone's story but not provide like an influence of my perspective. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to tell people or create something that's like trying to put their mind in a specific place. Like I'm not, I'm just trying to tell Sue's story the best way I can and keep it entertaining because I know in the world today with YouTube and everything, <laughs> people's attention spans are like a gnat or like they see a squirrel, they immediately turn and look like you got to capture people's attention. And so, you know, I did my best in the editing to try and interweave the five stories to tell something not only hopefully interesting, even for people like you and your audience who are probably very well versed in this subject matter, and maybe they can find some new nuggets of information. But also, I think what we did, and I, I'm really proud of this, is that we perhaps opened up the more skeptical minds to think maybe there is something out there and that maybe you know everything. Because I think a lot of people in just in a lot of ways, you know, um, always come with their preconceived notions or, um, sorry, I'm hearing an echo of myself. So it's like no, that was me. I pressed that. <laughs> Somehow I opened uh, the YouTube channel and I'm uh, watching. You're cool. But, you're yeah, cool. Yeah. but I think people live in a bubble and they always come with their, their own perspective. And, mm -hmm. you know, not, not enough people travel, not enough people meet other people and realize, uh, you know, the world is a really big place. And so... As I get older, I'm opening my mind more to these things, doing therapy and stuff like that really helps you, uh, you know, see from other people's perspectives or at least keep an open mind to it. So I hope that's what we accomplished with this movie. And based on some of the feedback we've gotten so far uh, from people who are very skeptical and said that it was interesting and now their eye, my eyes and mind are open a little bit, I think we accomplished what we wanted.
Yeah, good job. Uh, I definitely recommend the film. And again, I was uh, Thank you. Uh, almost shocked because, uh, again, you have uh, stuff from August 2021. Pandemic, everything's going crazy, and you guys just put it together so quick. So it is a fresh film. Uh, and yeah, last, We had not, this done in November, dog. Holy moly, We had this, this completely finished in November. We've been trying to get it picked up for distribution, and dude, between the Ponte, mm -hmm. po the po uh, positive thought process, you know, and just self like uh, manifest destiny, dude, we got it picked up by 1091 Pictures. Wow. You know, they're the distribution company that that put out the phenomenon and all these other, uh, you know, large UFO and alien related documentary content. And so, like, yeah, dude, it's just insane that we were able to get them to distribute this right and so now it's on amazon uh, it's currently on amazon itunes google play microsoft and voodoo and the nice thing is is that now that we have this this connection with 1091 pictures there there shouldn't be as long of a lapse in between when we complete these documentaries and then when they're they're released you know instead of being from november to here we're in april so like five months you know it should be uh, we just got approval for Secrets of the Sasquatch. Okay, that oh, documentary cool. we have completed. So that should be out here in the summer. Um, and Good. What's up? Also, st also stars Sue Walker. Oh, and Sue's great. in that one too. She has some great knowledge. We we'll we'll come back on the show. We'll send you that one, bro. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Watch that. Can't but go wrong with Bigfoot. Love no, Bigfoot no. mythology. Love it. Yeah, and uh, fine, great job. I mean. When you look at, uh, and there's, of course, some Freud and for Freud, what's happening to uh, Netflix and CNN Plus and Disney mm -hmm. and Jon Stewart. I'm like, okay, maybe let's let's let some new minds up and try to reinvigorate what's going on. And there's a need for this. So awesome, guys. Uh, last but not least, we've got the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing? And what did you think of the film? You watched it too last night. We will kind of watch it at the same time. Yeah. We did. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great overview of the, of the subject with a little more depth in, in terms of, uh, Sue is bringing out her contact, you know, with, with the, uh, the Pinty. So is that right? Pinty? Ponty. Oh, Ponty. Right. The Ponty. Yes, Ponty. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Clifford uh, is not here uh, to be with us today. Um, hopefully, there'll be a successor. He has a successor in his tribe that is his also. Son. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. So I hope, hope, hopefully, uh, um, he'll continue his father's legacy on and uh, and so forth. So, yeah, it's. Um, uh, I, I thought it, uh, when the production quality is excellent, I can see why it got picked up by Amazon, Voodoo, and people. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it's. Um, that, that's my first impressions of it. Yeah, and we are fresh off the heels of the Astronosis Conference, and I recently posted Vance's presentation on you, uh, euphoria, Gnostic Euphoria. So for the audience who hasn't seen it, check it out. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, continue, we'll continue the vibe. I wanted to play a couple of clips from the movie. But first, I wanted to talk to you, Sue. Uh, you, as you say in the movie, by the time you were, I believe, four or six, you had your first visitation. A reptilian came into your house. And then in 98, that's when things really got ramped up, right? The ships came and they basically, you, uh, they lifted the veil. Tell us about that. What? It started in June 
the first week of June of 1998. It was 8.30 in the morning, and it had just finished raining. And I was on the edge of the town where I lived, which happened to be Ames, Iowa, the home of Iowa State University. At the Because it's an ag college, they own a lot of farms on the outskirts of the city. And I was driving along a road on that outskirt and looked up and saw a small, white, oval craft hovering maybe 200 feet in the air above a field of uh, beef cattle owned by Iowa State that they were doing genetic research on. And there looked like a hatch open on the bottom of the craft. And I was a quarter mile away and I went, oh, a UFO, I got to see that closer. And by the time I turned in and got closer, it had gone, it had vanished. And I thought, oh, that was neat. I saw a UFO. Cool. So I went home and I reported it to MUFON. And they came and investigated, and I thought that was the end of it. Ten days later, I wake up in the middle of the night to a presence in my room, which is what woke me up, and standing in the doorway of the master bathroom um, that connected to our bedroom was a white, creamy white, eight-foot-tall being whose head brushed the ceiling, who had very large, dark almond eyes, a large head, long fingers, and his limbs were so thin and fluid, it almost looked cartilaginous to me. He took two strides to cross the ten feet, and he reached out like this, and he gently reached forward and stroked my spouse's leg at the time. And he took his hand away and reached over to stroke my leg. And I sat up suddenly and I yelled at him. And I said, what are you doing here? And he got this huge startled look on his face and turned and bolted through the wall. And I thought, was that because I saw a UFO? Is that who that was? And I didn't know and I didn't have any answers. It wasn't much after that, and it was very close to the summer solstice, that I woke up again, second time in less than 10 days, and there were four individuals, short, four foot, four and a half foot tall, gray skin, large almond eyes, standing at the foot of my bed. One of them had a device in his hand, and I woke up because suddenly I had this huge pain in my leg. It was a bone pain. It wasn't like a Charlie horse. And this individual was withdrawing what looked like a syringe from the back of my leg. After that, the experiences and the sightings of the UFOs and things and the strange stuff continued. And that spot where um, the individual had withdrawn the syringe from my leg, always became itchy right as it was going to, about three hours before it was going to be dark. And I knew because of that, it was going to be a UFO kind of night. And sure enough, so it became a barometer for me. And my guess is it was a GPS tracker of some kind.
I begged the individuals to please talk to me. If I could help them, if I could talk to them, maybe I could understand what was going on. But in the next three years after that, between 98 and 2001, I saw more UFOs flying away from the house than I care to tell you. And I woke up in the backyard in my pajamas in the middle of winter and all kinds of strange things. Um, and so I began to research this topic a little bit more, but not very much. It quieted down again. And then I met my now spouse, Otter. And the first time I came down to New Mexico, the same gray beings with the large almond eyes, little short guys, one of them contacted me 10 days after I got here. That was a total surprise. Did not expect that because at that point in time, it had been 15 years, no, 12 years since I really had had a lot of encounter activity. And that contact began a journey that has brought us to here. And if you'd told me 10 years ago that I'd be doing this, I would have told you you were nuts. <laughs> I did not expect this. But he began talking to us, and we learned what his real name was. You want to see a picture of the individual that began talking with us when we got to New Mexico? Of course, yeah. At first, because his voice came from beneath the Sandia Mountain, and we didn't know his name, I gave him a nickname. I didn't want to keep calling him the voice from the mountain. That sounded dumb. And so I nicknamed him Sandia. And when I said to Otter, hey, I think I'm going to nickname the voice Sandia, he was listening, and I didn't know that. And Sandia piped up, and what I had completely forgotten is the word Sandia in Spanish means watermelon. Mm -hmm. That's because the mountain has stripes on the top of it that look like the rind of a watermelon. So I said, Honor, I think I'm going to nickname the voice Sandia. He pipes up and he says, watermelon head, that'll work. And I turned and I stared out the window at the mountain and I went, who is this? Well, this is Sandia. His real name is Tilcom. And home is Zeta Reticuli 2, the fifth planet. And he began sharing with us his culture. And we had a golden opportunity to learn directly from him about who they are as a people. And that was new. And I knew that that was different. So we just tried to keep the dialogue going and not press him for anything and let him volunteer things as he was ready to. And that's how it started. That was September of 2013 is when it first began. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wonderful. And thank you for that. And you and the other guests of the film, Conscious Contact, basically sort of uh, reveal the same thing, right? They are visitors and there are lots of them and there are these federations. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Not just us sitting alone in this little blue planet, just kind of, you know, little monkeys. There's a lot of uh, other countries around us, interstellar countries. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of interstellar neighbors. And Tilcom told us that on any given day, between 75 and 80 separate star nations are visiting our world. However, guys, we're a water world. 75% of those visitors come and go into our oceans because that's their area of interest. And they don't really care about us except that we're mucking up the oceans. <laughs> it makes sense. 90% of the oceans are uh, uncharted or never been explored. So there's plenty of plenty of space to, you know, do your own thing. Maybe mm-hmm. Cthulhu is there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'd like to play uh, a clip and then uh, perhaps we can get to some questions for the audience uh, from the movie Conscious Contact. Let me see where it is. I've got it here, and then we'll go from there, and we can play some more clips, too, as we continue. Here it is. Despite the human species' exponential technological advances over the past millennia, little or no progress has been made in the scientific understanding of consciousness. We are awake and aware of our surroundings, But is this phenomenon reserved to our corner of the universe, to each individual? Or is it linked and shared across all the cosmos, the result of quantum entanglement? Are we truly confined to written, gesticular and verbal communication? Or have we simply yet slowly lost the ability to communicate telepathically due to atrophy. And by we, I mean you and me. 
for there are some who still can. Their message, we are not alone. Very nice clip, and yeah, I think it shows everything. Vance, do you have a question? Do the audience have a question so far? Yeah, we do, and it's a good one. Um, uh, Deep Valley wanted to know, why are our oceans the main interest for the visitors? What's down there? What are they keeping an eye on? When you think about a water world, whether it's majority of, of the world is salt water or fresh water, Water means life and diverse life. And this, uh, when Sandia spoke with us about their interest in the ocean, he did tell us, you know, that there are other sentient advanced beings that are here on your world. You're not the top dog. And I said, yeah. And he said, yes, um, there are species on your planet who are at a higher advanced civilization level than you are. And I said, okay. He said, if a nation of sentient peoples, no matter if they are human looking like you, if they provide food, clothing if it's appropriate, shelter, water, medicine, education, for all of their peoples, then their advanced civilization level is zero. Um, Dr. Greer calls that advanced civilization level one. Same thing. He said, the whales in your oceans have the longest recorded history of any animal on your planet, and they sing the oldest songs. And the they are very, very well known in this part of the galaxy, and many nations come to talk with them. He also said the Sasquatch are also at a higher advanced civilization level than you are because they take care of 100% of their population. And I went, yeah, we just don't yet. And he said, correct. You do not take care of all of your people. You could, but you're not there yet. So that was the reason that they gave for why the interest in the oceans. Did he uh, say anything about what form of life they are? Or they, some people oh, said the variety is huge. Uh, the aquatic variety is huge. If you go into the deep, deep oceans, there are creatures that are what we call amorphic, meaning they look like a big undulating blob, like a jellyfish that is fluid and moves. But the skin of these um, advanced peoples uh, flashes light. And so they speak in light languages in the deep, dark ocean. The octopi, the octopus, are not from here. They're just not. And yet they have decided that Earth is a very nice place to live. And they have enjoyed uh, exploring as a sentient people. 
what we have here in our deep ocean depths. So the um, so the octopi perhaps are more advanced in in certain ways, uh, civilized civilization than we are. How about dolphins and uh, and whales? The dolphins and the whales, as long as they qualify and take care of a hundred percent of their people, yes, they would be considered at a more advanced civilization level than we are. They don't value things. They don't have hands to construct jewelry or work metal or collect diamonds or do whatever it is that we do that we think has value. But family and clan and caring for one another is paramount in their society. Yeah, very good. That's certainly um, that. That's certainly true of dolphins and whales. I mean, uh, dolphins, uh, in particular, are cognizant of humans and are beneficial, uh, have known to rescue people and so forth and so on. So they definitely, uh, uh, would qualify. They're very caring people. They really yeah. are, and we call them people because anyone who has a sentience, you know, you can call them a nation. Um, most of our Ponte friends cringe when we call them alien because, to be honest, one of the first things they told us is they are human too. They are just a different variation on the human theme. They're Pontelf human. We're Earth human. Okay. But this bipedal, two arms, two legs, one head, walking upright, is a very common workable physique that you see in this area of the galaxy extensively. And so it's not unusual to have a ship where the occupants come out and they're walking on two legs. Here on Earth, that's not unusual for us at all. Awesome. Yeah, I do have, um, well, first, uh, I love the narrator, Tyler and Chris. Uh, you guys too. got yourself a, a good narrator for this movie. Very, the English it had to be the English. Work as well, Miguel. Am I, yes. am I mistaken in that? So I'll tell you yeah, what, yeah. one of these docs coming up might have you. Awesome. <laughs> I would be delighted. It would be an honor. I love you. Wow. Yeah. The themes are right up my alley. So yeah, let's do it. Uh, don't know if I can do an English accent, but I can definitely give you that. Oh, we don't need the English accent. Oh, we, don't need we mix it up. We mix no, it up. we just need your nice, lovely bass voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but wonderful. again, Miguel, same, same deal, man. I'd like to point out that, you know, the way the narration was written, same deal, kind of like the rest of this documentary. I mean, it was like almost like inspiration from elsewhere. Like it just poured out of me. Like I'd be driving down the road or something like that. Uh, not even necessarily thinking about conscious contact, full disclosure in the film, whatever. And these words would just come to me and I dictate them in my phone and send them to Chris. I'm like, bro, here's some potential narration. And we just log it like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, and the same has taken place for the narration for the ghost of Gettysburg and, uh, secrets of the Sasquatch. Well, it, I mean, it's, it's even, just, it, it's even it's weirder odd. because he would send me stuff and like, it wasn't even like there, I wouldn't edit the movie and be like, this is a place that needs narration. He would just send me this stuff and I'd be like, this fits perfectly here. <laughs> um, 
It's it weird. Was in, uh, it was it, really it, weird. Was it it's very... stunning that you got it done in two months. Anybody oh, watching yeah. the film, you're going to be stunned. There's, it's like there's no way you could do it two months. I mean, no, yeah, a, yeah, a two-minute yeah. clip could take me weeks, even just for the show, a small two-minute clip. <laughs> yeah, no, I no. mean. But hopefully, do that, that inspires others to be like, oh, man, you know, because yeah. – Chris is is more uh, like you said measured and a little bit more skeptical. Mm -hmm. So like when we started this production company, Dockside Media, you know, I'm like I'm on I'm on the other end. I'm like, bro, we're cranking out six docs. I think we got at least <laughs> six docs this year. He's like, bro, it, one or two will be plenty. And sure enough, you know, like seven months later, we got four docs. You know, like completed working on the fifth we're getting the six and seven i mean so i just like not to limit myself man because my life has been crazy as far as just the things i've been able to do by really trying my best and believing that it was possible i didn't care that so and so tried to do this and couldn't do it or so and so worked it, they took them 20 years to make a documentary it's like bro i don't care i'm not those people right mm -hmm. i'm going to try my best and hustle and put heart and passion into it and let's see where we land and sure enough yeah man we we boop, 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 boop. i'm scheduling flights all over the place same deal people are like i i i assume a lot of people are like brother how how are these two guys going to make a documentary? They don't have anybody giving them money. They're going to spend their own money on plane tickets, rental, all this stuff. And all their, all the hours editing and logging footage. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we will. And we did it. And that, and, and so, man, I think it's okay to have goals like, bro, let's be the best documentary production company this side of the Milky Way. I don't care if other <laughs> companies, only crank out a doc or two a year. Like, dog, we're capable as two guys to put out really good, well-crafted, like story-driven documentaries that like you like the image quality, man. It's insane. I I am always just fired up. I love filmmaking and I, I have so much fun because when I roll into Sue's house, right? And I have to like I, I've got to look at this whole situation and environment and like within a couple minutes, I need to make a judgment call of, okay, yep, we're going to pull this chair out from the wall. We're going to put a light here. You know, you got to do all this stuff on the fly because like I'm flying in the morning to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'm flying back out that afternoon. Like we're not messing around going places for days and weeks. It's like, bro, I need to go get this interview and uh, I'll sleep when I get back home. Right. <laughs> but for right now, uh, you know, Whatever I, I can I can summon the energy to uh, to see this through, and so far, man, we've done it time and time again, and we're gonna keep yeah. building this brand and keep meeting awesome people like Sue, you know, and Clifford, and same deal, bro. Even the whole if like if you go back and rewatch what Clifford oh, Mahuti said in hindsight, now that he's passed away, and and mm -hmm. not only that that he's passed away, but also that um. Just kind of, and I don't want to get into like the global events, but you had mentioned nuclear conflict and, and you know, now we have Ukraine, which is like a major wheat exporter, right? Do we have maybe some sort of Farmageddon or famine coming? And so it's crazy that Clifford was just talking about this stuff in this documentary he was. in October. <laughs> Even in the news in today, what they, they've killed 20 million birds in the United States, 14 food distribution facilities have 
accidentally burned down. It's like I saw that something is happening in it. I think it means us going hungry. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> so yeah, we need these. We need this help. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, show, uh, do a little screen share, a couple of things. One thing uh, Sue sent me. Where's the share screen? Yeah, yeah. I gotta jump all through these hoops for this. There you go. All right. This is for those of you that's uh, Sandia, and uh, he has, or it, I, I don't know, a misgendering perhaps, but uh, Sandia does have a uh, Twitter account if you want to follow him. Uh, so we do have a, an, a visitor who has their own social media. I hope, uh, I, as I was telling Vance, anybody, if I came from another world and I was on Twitter, I'd be like, I'm out of here because these people are insane. But uh does well with the Twitter account. And then we, the other one was, uh, where is it? A picture. This is, uh, what is this, uh, Sue? This is the west side of the Sandia Mountain with one of their skipper ships heading up the canyon to the small entrance on the west side. The big hangar bay entrance for the larger ships is on the east side of the mountain. But the west side has a small entrance, and this capture was a skipper ship, which is about the size of a small plane, and pure white. Um, you sometimes will see it glow white. Sometimes you will see it glow amber, but it's heading up the canyon. And uh, we spoke with a gal by the name of um, uh, Gloria hawker and she lived at the entrance of that canyon and frequently would see skipper ships go that way in the 60s 70s 80s 90s um and her family had a lot of ponte experience before i ever moved to albuquerque or knew the crew um she uh had a great deal of experience and was written about in by the UFO author Bud Hopkins, her experiences with Ponte. When I contacted, or Gloria contacted me and said, I understand you know the names of the little gray aliens under the mountain. And I said, I do. I also have drawings and portraits I've done of them. Would you like to see them? So while I was on the phone with her, I emailed uh, one by one some of the main people that we speak with. I sent her a picture of the first female Ponte that we spoke with. And when she opened it up, I heard her on the phone gasp and begin to sob. She said, I know this woman. I know this woman. She healed me with a group of others. Please, please, can I know her name? And can I contact her? Would she come see me again, please? I want to thank her. And so Gloria Hawker validated our experience with the Ponte and all of that, um, along with, we've spoken with other Albuquerque natives, and they too have verified uh, not only that there is a facility in tunnels under the mountain, but also um, we spoke with a fellow who was an electrician 
who uh, was let into the hangar bay and could see some of their ships and some of the Ponte from a distance. We spoke with a gentleman who drove a supply truck with produce who delivered to the west, to the east side of the mountain. And uh, when he backed his truck up into this empty barn, a place that had a single house, there were no workers around to unload the produce. And the gentleman came out of the house and motioned him in to sign paperwork. Ten minutes later, he was back out to his truck. The entire rig was empty. There was no evidence of the produce in the barn, no evidence of anyone having unloaded it from the truck. And when he turned to the fellow from the house to say, what happened? Where is everything? The gentleman just said, have a nice day and turned and walked back into the house. Wow. Incredible. That's awesome. All right. Well, we can get out of the, the screen share. I guess the, probably the important question I wanted to ask is why is the government suddenly putting out these reveals? I mean, they changed the word UFO to UAP or some nonsense like that. And they're putting out all these research. They've got, you know, these cameras showing UFOs that are worse than your average iPhone. Somehow the government can't afford these, you know, <laughs> an iPhone to put on their radars or anything like that. But they've just thrown it out to the audience. And I know there's a famous saying by Otto von Bismarck. He said, uh, never believe anything until it's officially denied by the government. Mm -hmm. And I wondered maybe we should disbelieve it whenever the government gets behind it. But anyway, uh, any of you want to answer why the government is so vested in putting their cards on the table, perhaps? I, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's harder and harder to hide things nowadays with the, with the internet i mean like you know how long ago was it that edward snowden revealed you know the nsa is spying on everyone so like right. just depending on how many people are involved eventually you can't hide things anymore uh you know information is flowing and so there's a couple reasons potentially why they could be doing it one because they're fearing that you know information will get out that they can't control anymore or you know, or t potentially they're seeding some of this information so that the stigma is lowered so that if anything is, you know, dropped, it's not so shocking to society. Um, because you see, like, you know, just in the United States, how partisan we are, how divisive society is, like anything that would just shock society to the core could cause some serious damage and repercussions. And so something like that would have to be handled very carefully and so you know you see it now though but the stigma is lowering people are coming out you know people with high credentials are coming out and saying yes there's this 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 there's this and you know in the past there might have been fear of well losing their credibility losing their jobs whatever losing you know their life um but it's becoming more and more commonplace and the government now they just put out that what that 1500 page document talking about you know, uh, unexplained pregnancies and, and burns and all kinds of things that, you know, has been coming up in the, this community for years and years and years. And now it's coming from government. So that's my perspective on it. And I'm coming, like I said before, from a more skeptical person. Yeah. And for me, it's like, dude, I just, <clears throat> 
like Chris said, yeah, are they are they in a, a, a position? Well, let me say this: backing up to your NSA disclosure and mass surveillance. Yo, like, let's think about that, man. Like, how did 330 million people in the United States not absolutely flip out over that? So the fact that they can drop mm-hmm. that kind of knowledge and most of the nation say, well, I've got nothing to hide, so what's it matter? Or whatever, however people rationalize it. That was insane. So the fact that, right, we're having this, like, UAP task force, you know, back in uh, June or July or whatever, and they drop this report, and it's almost the same thing as the NSA in the sense that, like, oh, there's no, like, definitive answers. But, yo, they straight up said, yo, 133 or 143 out of these 144 uh, sightings, like, we can't identify them. They're not foreign technology, and they're not U.S. technology. Mm. Okay, well, are we basically telling people, like, yo, like, some, like for me, Typically, it's not a good idea until I think of it, right? That's just how I roll. So is that what they're trying to do here? Where it's like, oh, hey, we're just going to start seeding this. Like, hey, it's not ours and it's not foreign tech. And we're telling you, we're telling you that. Like the government stamp. And it's crazy that whatever, those sightings, those 144 are like just from the Navy. And they're just recent, you know? Like, where's the air? Like, there's tons and tons and tons of data that the government has access to and whether it's compartmentalized and not, you know, everybody really has the full truth. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, part of the thing is like, they really don't know. So how hard is that to say like, okay, yes, hey, there is contact with with UAP, with UFOs, with extraterrestrials. We've we've talked to these people who uh, claim to have been abducted. We've talked to these people who've claim to uh, who have been in a conscious contact or telepathic contact like dude they're studying this stuff did we not spend two decades and millions of dollars studying remote viewing mm-hmm. like bro like these are things the government you know and mk ultra and mind control there's so many crazy far out things that in hindsight you know has been proven that dude these were not crazy conspiracy theories these are absolutely 100 true and so like I don't know what the government's role is in, in in starting to do maybe some sort of soft disclosure and starting to emit some things. I mean, bro, I've got an interview lined up for April 30th here with uh, Rick Doty or Richard Doty, if you know who that is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in uh, Air Force, uh, like Office of Special Operations Intelligence Officer, who like in the 80s was tasked with going out like he was given orders. Hey. You need to go out and disinform these witnesses to UFOs. You need to go to these conventions and meet these people and uh, start feeding them information, half-truths, lies, stuff like that. So it's like, bro, the government was trying to shape the narrative back then. Why would they stop, right? So when you have all these, uh, you're your like Lou Elizondo's, right, former counterintelligence and and Chris Mellon and all these big people in government, Hal Pudoff, you know, like, dude, it's insane. Those people said, hey, uh, we're going to try our best to push for disclosure. And and everybody has a different opinion on them, on whether they're genuine, whether it's misinformation, disinformation. But, bro, you can't deny the fact that from a government standpoint, 
things have been put in place, like the Gildebrand Amendment and so forth, where they are making progress in trying to get the government uh, held accountable to provide what they know on this, because they're definitely recording the data. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And it's, yeah, it's such a labyrinth. People might be thinking of breakaway civilizations. Uh, for some reason, somebody in the chat and why I would notice it wrote was talking about Sharknado. I don't know why. So that reminded me of that dreadful, not dreadful, but great movie called Iron Skies where the Nazis escape. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It's such a great sequel, film. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's so bad. It's so wonderful. Oh, Same yeah. with Sharknado. <laughs> but, uh, and so what do you think? I mean, uh, do you? Why do you think the government is doing this? Well, we got a couple of things that have happened. One, the United States is not the only country heading solo to the moon or planning trips to Mars. We're not the only country out there witnessing these things again, or, or, or currently. That's one. So, could that mean that, say, China could report and befriend extraterrestrial visitors and announce them and, and show their friendship with them before us? Yes, that would be a problem. Um, could that potentially interrupt um, a false flag scenario or a false invasion scenario, which was one of the things that the United States is rumored to have been planning um, is a, quote, fake alien invasion to show the secret space force that had been building and still is building. Um, and I don't know that they have announced how many spacefaring vessels and of what kinds they have yet. Um, but the other part of this is, uh, back in 2015 and w early on 16, when the Ponte requested, um, uh, came to us and requested that we open social media accounts for them so that they could teach worldwide beyond borders, beyond cultures, beyond militaries and reach the lay people. They announced, the Ponte announced, that the star nations were planning their own disclosure and their own reveal, aside from anything any country here was planning. And I said, why now? He said, because you're on the verge of visiting your next door neighbor planet. And before you think that you're the only people there, you need to know that there are other peoples already on Mars, already on some of the moons in your solar system. And we don't want you to walk into somebody else's facility without knowing, one, who they are, and two, how to introduce yourselves to them. Don't think that you own these things. They have been colonized for centuries and sometimes millennia. So I think that may have had um, a factor in the why now. The other part of this is, and nobody's talked about it yet, is our world is going through changes. 
dramatic physical changes very quickly, very fast. And the Ponti tell us that we're entering a, a stormy part of the galaxy where we have to be worried about how things coming into our solar system from space affect our planet, affect our sun, and affect whether or not our planet is going to do a magnetic flip, a physical flip, or our sun is going to do a big sneeze of plasma and CME content and blow away our satellites and our electrical grid. We don't know, but they tell us that we're entering a danger time and they are concerned and worried for us. Mm, thank you. And so what do these um, the visitors upon to, what do they feel about death and the afterlife? They know that everything gets recycled, no matter what it is. It can be uh, a molecule, but consciousness doesn't cease when you leave this physical shell. It seeks yet another way to learn, another way to experience, another way to share. And so consciousness um, will seek another way to renew itself and grow. And so they do believe in that concept of reincarnation. Absolutely they do. And many of the star nations that they are, have our allies with come here and teach that very concept. And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. The first part of our fantastic roundtable. Get ready for more astronosis and clips from the film in our second part. So please become an AB Prime member or Patreon at Patreon or Red Circle subscriber for the full disclosure. And to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. This is our time. We high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.